Hello, and welcome to The Executive Appeal, a show that convenes the world's most powerful and successful leaders to share mentoring and career advancement advice to help you successfully transition into senior level executive positions. I'm your host, Alex Trimble, award-winning speaker, author, and leadership expert with over a decade of experience coaching and advising some of our nation's most senior level government leaders. So if you're ready to reach your goals, let's get started. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trumbull from the Executive Appeal, and I I am having a good day. I hope you're having a good day. Today is a good day because I have my friend, Ryan, Mr. Ryan Chinkoko with me. See, Ryan is the founder and principal of the Chinkoko Consulting Group, which provides consulting services to businesses on business growth, on digital marketing, product development, and all that good stuff. But prior to founding CCG, Ryan served as the chief executive officer of C-Surgeries in the Physician's Edge which is pretty freaking cool. And I'd love to talk about that in a bit. But that's not where I met him. I met him when he served as the head of product strategy and management development and the director of government workforce, the International Association for Talent Development. No further ado. What's going on, bro? What's up, man? Holy Dude. crap. Is that my bio for real? I was like, who is that? Is that my I dad? Look, I, I thought it was never going to stop. I was just I was like, can you just, I don't want you to talk anymore. That's all right. I was like, but thank you for that. I appreciate it. I, I, I kind of feel like we, you and I, we obviously talked quite a bit. And I'm like, we should record that. We should record that. <laughs> we're at IHOP like three weeks ago. I'm like, we should record that. So I, you know, I'm glad we're actually finally recording this. This is very exciting. So thanks for having me. Well, really. uh, first off, bro, you, you got to We got. We're gonna have to edit that IHOP out. We got to say something more fancy than IHOP. We, we got to right. figure that out. You're right. Uh, um, Applebee's. <laughs> we're, sorry guys we were at, we were at um, Applebee's Fridays uh, and, Chili's you know we split a you pick two uh, <laughs> and it was great it was lovely dude bro one shake so, two straws <laughs> with, with one little, you know with a little cherry on top you know because yeah. we're fancy because yeah. we're fancy fancy uh, like Applebee's <laughs> we so, have to pay rights to that I, I don't know oh we're gonna stop talking about Applebee's <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I don't we, our, our budget can't afford that. Um, so look, when you're not saving babies, um, <laughs> you're leading with, okay. <laughs> that's what I'm leading with. What, what are you up to these days, man? Yeah, I am listening to my dog bark, um, in my home office. Oh gosh, I knew that was going to happen. I was like, one's going to trigger the other. Um, no, Alex, I, gosh, I don't know where to start. Um, I think I'm living my best professional life as people will say, um, you know, as you said in my bio initially, I, I was at ATD and really had a, a great career there, helping them build out their management development capabilities or government capabilities, helping talent development professionals with, you know, figuring out resources to develop folks. And then, you know, I jumped and went into the startup world. I think as you and I always discuss, like entrepreneur was always, being an entrepreneur is always at my heart. I was running a startup while I was at um, ATD, just trying to figure it out, raising money, you know, growing teams, and eventually had the opportunity to do that last year. Um, just like most startups, uh, you know, there's, um, there's peaks and valleys. And unfortunately, this one had too many valleys and we couldn't kind of get ourselves out of it. Um, not for any one particular reason, but gosh, you know, another peak there was that I learned a ton. Uh, and so I launched my own consulting company, uh, CCG, the Chancoco Consulting Group. Um, 
started off uh, really strong and we continue to go strong with about seven clients across the board, serving as executive advisors, senior advisors, um, helping you know operationalize the organizations. But one of the big things that I, I do is we help raise money for startups. Um, another great thing that came out of my previous work as CEO is I, I was able to develop a, a nice list of investors and VCs and angel groups that I continue to stay in touch with. And they're like, you know, we like you and we know you have the chops to, to grow an org. So if you're working on anything, let us know. So this year I've been able to raise, you know, several million dollars for a couple of organizations out there. Um, we've got a couple more in the books. And so that's about half my time. Uh, it's exciting stuff. Uh, and then the other half, um, I serve uh, as executive uh, in residence for a group called Leaders Up, which I know you're familiar with, Alex, where we're trying to help grow um, young adults, uh, BIPOC young adults like you and myself to, you know, get the leg up in the business world and with the Senior Executive Association, help them grow their portfolio. So a couple of uh, groups that I know are, are near and dear to your heart. Okay, you said way too much. So. <laughs> <laughs> you're like 30 seconds, dude. Dude, no, it's, like no, it's just a, it's a lot, it's, it's a lot to dive into, bro. Yeah. Okay, so the, the first thing I, I, I want to say is, um, shoot, there's so many different ways we can go about this. The first is, I, I love how you talked about there being peaks and valleys. And ultimately, um, those peaks and valleys led to your next opportunity. You and I were talking at, um, let's just call it Applebee's. Um, <laughs> you and I were talking at Applebee's um, uh, about how literally where you are today and you having the opportunity to have raised millions of dollars for your clients was due to those hardships and the challenges that you had in that last role. And like, what do you think about that? Uh, am I supposed to be here? <laughs> no, no, full transparency. You know, I think um, I've talked about this with uh, some other people. The first thought is also always like, do I belong here? Um, am I supposed to be doing this? Do people trust me to do this? It's, I think, you know, if an executive tells you he doesn't have any doubt, uh, like, there's always a, a piece of doubt. Um, but, you know, once you kind of get over that, you know, it, I think the, the next thing you do is you take a step back and you appreciate a little bit of the journey. It's kind of like, you know, I, I, I grew up um, middle class in, in uh, the Detroit area. Um, my, my parents were not business professionals by any means, um, and nor was I surrounded by that. So like when I just take a step back and realize who I'm talking to or who I'm working with, I'm just kind of like, holy shit, man, what am I doing here? <laughs> um, but I'm grateful. Um, I'm excited. I, and then the last part is like, how do I share that with, with the, the up and coming Ryans and Alex's and of the world of like, Hey man, you know, and so in my, in, I'm Filipino just in case people didn't know, um, in my upbringing, in my culture, success is defined by becoming a couple of, you know, professions in a bucket and it's healthcare law or engineering. And if you're anything else, you're like taking a gamble. Just in, you know, you're taking a gamble or like, I don't know what that is. I mean, I don't know if they're doing well, but if you're a nurse, you're crushing life. If you're a doctor, you're definitely crushing life. If you're an engineer, it's like great salary for the rest of your life. Business and doing what we do was not even on, not, not for good or bad reasons. It's just culturally, yeah. that's how we grew, right? Yeah. And so half the time I'm asking myself, how did I get here? <laughs> what am I doing here? But also like, you lucky SOB, like you ride this for as long as you can and you share it with as many people.
Well, I, I just want to point out for uh, your familia and anyone else who may be feeling that they had needed to be in those buckets. I mean, technically, bro, um, you still stay within those buckets because you are looking yeah. out for the health of the organization. And then you engineer, you help them build ways to bring in money efficiently. See, look, I, I can do this. I'm good at this stuff. Um, but I, I want to ask you, you know, the reality is that I was speaking to a young lady literally yesterday, and she was saying how she, um, there were some opportunities she wanted to go after, but she she was hesitating because she was like, look, you know, I, I don't know if I'm really ready for this. Like, I'm looking at the PD and, and yeah, I got maybe 70% of it, um, but, you know, really, should I really do it? I told her, I'm like, look, real, real talk. The reality is that this is research. This is not me. Generally speaking, women are a bit harder on themselves when they're going after jobs. So they think they need to have 100%. So then they don't apply for it. And then there's some, there's some guy on the side who's like 40% of it. Who's like, yeah, I can do this. Sure, let's do it. It's so, you and me. We're like 20%. <laughs> I can be president I, I can of this company. This. I've never done it. But hell yeah. Put my resume in right now. So, so, you know, as a woman, like there are certain things that you maybe hesitancies. You know, as a person of color, a certain hesitation. Like, how did you feel when you were entering these spaces? Again, the people you're pitching to um, are millionaires and billionaires. Like, how did you feel being in those spaces, trying to ask for a whole bunch of money that most people feel like? Why would you even? Why would you even try doing this? Oh, oh my gosh, that's a book, dude. Uh, it's a book that we should write, right? Um, it, there's a process and it's, it's pretty consistent and it's kind of like, first of all, you know, having been the head of two organizations, what keeps you up at, at night, first and foremost, as a startup is your payroll and making sure your people are paid. The second is, you know, you want to make sure you're meeting the needs of your previous investors and you're, you know, you're, you're on track for developing things. You're on track for growing your audience. You're on track for increasing the, the value of the company. So you know, all that, all of the imposter syndrome stuff aside, all, you know, the, the stuff I just mentioned is, is first top of mind. It's, you're like, oh my God, I, I got to wake up, you know, you wake up in the morning, you're like, I got to raise $250,000 this quarter to make sure that my people are paid. It's like, so that is your motivation. It's like intrinsically as a human being, someone jumped and left their job to work for you and you need to make sure you're taking care of them. Hopefully every good CEO feels like, that. hopefully, yeah. I think most of them. The second once you get into those rooms, even someone who can adapt and simulate, whatever you call it, um, like myself, you still feel a little bit of an outsider. And this is where the imposter syndrome. I'll give you an example. Um, I was in, uh, I, I met with an angel group down in, um, I won't name the, which one, but in Missouri. Um, very lovely, warm, welcoming group. Um, and I was there to raise $3 million for my, for my own. And they liked it. They loved it. And I was there presenting. It was myself, uh, my CIO, another person. And um, the second I walked in the room, I, I just kind of felt a little bit of this, this weight. And it was like, or, you know, looking at me. And maybe it was in my head, maybe not. But what I realized, and I wasn't able to kind of grasp this until I analyzed it after, every single person in that room was an older white male between probably the ages of 55 to 80, um, you know, was that an outright issue that came up? You know, did someone say, hey, man, you don't belong here? Or did, you know, did something occur? No, 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 not at all. You start to think, am I good enough? Am I the kind, you know, do I check the boxes for what they need? Or is me being a little different? Yeah. Um, 
does that make a difference in their decision making? And you kind of freak out a lot about that a little bit internally. And so what's interesting is there are layers to BIPOCs that walk into those rooms, right? Like um, it's it's a different experience for every person, not to say mine is worse or better than others, but the thing is the experience happened and you have to figure out a way to get through it. And so for me, just kind of my solution, my solution that day was like, I'm going to check the boxes and make sure I, you know, dot every I and cross every T. I'm prepared with every single financial scenario. I'm prepared with how I'm going to grow the audience. I'm going to overshare my ability and knowledge and the the ability of my team to execute. And so like, if I do that, it's in God's hands at that point, right? Like they have everything they need and they just need to make a decision. So that happens a lot. And it just takes some reps as well as some mentors to talk you out of it. That's really important. If you're a manager in the federal government, do you have feds protection professional liability insurance? Because if you don't, you need to get it. Having a feds policy means that you will be protected against any professional capacity lawsuit, administrative action, or criminal investigation arising from actions taken in the scope of your employment. This insurance is a must-have for federal managers and starts at just $209 a year. Plus, your agency will reimburse you for half of this cost. To learn more, visit www.fedsprotection.com or call 866-955-3337 today. I mean, look, you're getting into what we all have heard. Um, The people who have to do, you know, people from underrepresented communities having to do twice as much just to have a seat at the table. And so you're saying how I got to make sure every T is crossed, every I is dotted. I got to do the extra work. You know, one, obviously it's not fair, but, you know, you know, is, is that is what it is? And also what about your mental health and having to do the this extra to make sure that you get a fair shake at the table? Yeah, it's uh, for, for execs at that level. You know, mine was a smaller company, right? There are execs out there managing five hundred million dollars, a billion dollars, ten billion dollars, and like <laughs> the mental health of CEOs is just like not great in general. There's always challenges. Um, you know, my old mentor told me you got to move on to the next, and so I wanted to make sure I was fit enough to do what I was doing, and and fit enough to you know be be human being around my friends and family first of all, and not let that like cross into my personal life, but also. I had to move on to the next thing. So I just had to figure out what are my tactics and strategies to say, all right, I did what I could. I can go to bed at night knowing that I tried. And if it didn't go well, what can I do? And my CIO, I'll tell you, my CIO, Zach Salopek, shout out to him. He's a great friend. And um, he was with me through most of those presentations. And he would be like, hey, we need to do this for the next one. Make sure you stay under time on this. And hey, you did a really great job. Um, A few tweaks, but ultimately, if we do that every time we win. And so like having another person be a mirror for you, whether whether it's a BIPOC person or someone who can truly give you that feedback is so important for you to get better. Otherwise, you're just kind of telling yourself these stories and it's hard to move on to the next. Yeah, yeah, you don't do that. That's really, really critical. You're absolutely right. And you make me think about, I mean, just the importance of hiring. Like, so I, 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 been in situations where I'm working with organizations who who hire people because oh that person was nice or that person over there um, is this person's friend so on and so forth and then you look at the the challenges 
the, the mental health challenges, the performance issues, the, 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 the HR issues that come up because you didn't pick the right person. I learned this a while ago. They said, you know, the best way to have a motivated staff is to hire a motivated staff. Um, and so it just makes me, it reminds me how important it is to be intentional with the people you put around. Don't just bring anyone around you, you know? Yeah. No, it's, um, you know, I, 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 I kind of cut my teeth into the business world, starting off in HR and recruitment and that, and that, you know, that's, that's a tough gig because you're trying to judge the ability for someone to get something done and connect through a resume and three interviews and holy shit, that's hard. <laughs> right. It's like you cast a wide net and hopefully some of them are like some of the good fish kind of a thing. Um, and so funny enough, Trey, um, I'm, I'm dropping a name here. Tracy Mart Martini over at GSA. She's the chief human capital officer at GSA. We were just talking about this a couple of weeks ago. And she's like, you know, we always look at resumes, especially in the government, based on do they have this degree? Do they have this degree? As she called it, pedigree. Because we're not looking enough at true skill and grit and cultural fit, right? Um, and it's so like, so we really, a lot of executives and a lot of organizations have to, I think, take a look at some of those things. Cause you can look at a resume and say, all right, great. They've got the certs, uh, they can do HTML, they can uh, create a digital marketing funnel. You can see that from their LinkedIn, but are we asking the questions around, hey, when, when things get tough and when I need you, my direct report to push back on me, really, do you have experience doing that? And honestly, big organization or small, the execution comes down to, like this team synergy, this alignment, the communication, the ability to pivot and be agile, all the other stuff you can get, you can figure out and get trained on. And Alex, I'll tell you, I mean, in a startup, when you have barely any money and all you have is equity, that you do make decisions where you're like, you know what, you're in, you're in, you're in because you're willing, but also because you're a friend and you have some of the skill. And, you know, that doesn't always work out. Um, and it, it I, I had wished I made some of those decisions earlier. I made some really great hires because some of my friends like, uh, who came in were fantastic, right? I lucked out more than anyone else, but I've also seen situations where I'm like, I should never hired that guy. Yeah. Or I've seen other CEOs be like, I should never hire, hired, my, hired my friend. I gave him a lot of equity and he didn't really get anything done. He was just my friend. And so yeah. that that kind of stuff does happen. Yeah. And, and, again, you also bring home the point of, I, I love that you brought home the point of the technical skills. Yes, they're, they are absolutely important. You totally. got to get the job done. Um, and those, those, the fit is really important. Yeah. Um, the to understand this is why organizations need to do actually do the work on the front end to understanding their values. What do you value as an organization? That should be part of the selection process. You know, do you have you demonstrated the uh, commitment to the values that we believe are important as an organization? And I'll tell you, there's one thing that um, I learned in the government when I when I worked back in the government is um, I never want to be the supervisor who or the leader period who has an employee who's not performing and or is a cancer on the team and just ignores it or moves them around. Um, that there was this guy who was an executive over a particular section within um, an interior, and he actually wore it as a badge. He had, it's, it's, it's not literally a badge, but like a, he got sued a bunch of times um, for employment things, but he, he won every single one. And his point was like so many leaders are not willing to go through the challenging, the, the, the challenge of getting rid of or and or moving or again, it's not about in a negative way. If that person's not doing well, then like maybe we can help them do well somewhere else where it's more in line with their skills and so on and so forth. But man, like it really hurts 
the team and other employees, when they see that there's a challenge, there's a weak link, and no one is addressing it. Like, you're just acting like it doesn't exist. And people like that, help, that hurts morale, you know? I mean, Alex, we when you and I met, I was running ATD's um, management development vertical to develop resources for leaders on how to effectively develop talent, engage talent. And I was also managing people at the time, right? And I had all these books around me by Travis Bradbury, Mark Brackett, Ken Blanchard, like all of these guys, uh, Amy Edmondson, and and um, a lot of uh, you know very popular leadership folks that you and I connected to or have looked up to and i still struggled with managing i have all this content that i'm reading every day i'm developing content and resources i'm presenting and i'm like how do i deal with this one-on-one that i'm going to have on friday because it's not going to be great and i'm saying like you know one of my one of my very close friends um kate fitzgerald told me she was a she's a really strong sales leader in the education space she and i talk about this often she actually wrote an article um about management for ATD years ago. And she said, management and leadership is the hardest job you're ever going to love. Um, and we talk about this in the sense of like, not, and we all know this, every um, talented professional should not be a leader. Of management, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you yeah. don't have the ability to have these hard conversations in real time to help them course correct, to give them space, to talk about concerns, to find they're intrinsic motivators of like, why are you here? Why do you like it? And how do I help you continue to like this? That's leading, that's managing. All the other stuff is like, they're ones and zeros. They're, <laughs> you know, they're spreadsheets, they're development and they're product timeline. It's yeah. very like, the, the hardest part is this stuff that you and I are doing. You, you know, what's funny is um, I, I say the same thing. I, I've led, it's, it's really funny because I've actually led many teams over my careers, over my career. Um, Large teams, small teams, and was really successful on on all those different um, avenues. But it's so it's so interesting that leading a team and leading teams to 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 achieve an outcome is still different. And I think it's much easier than actually having the direct reports and managing them. It's, it's weird because you're like, oh, I'm still leading a team, but it's just different when they actually report to you why do you think there's a difference i know that's a hard question maybe but why do you think there's a difference um a couple things i think deep down you know you're responsible for for them their development and their work like directly right like you you as an executive now me as an executive previously what made me look good was their ability to get the job done and so there's like you know, I, and t- later on in my career, when I started managing folks, I said, what you guys do makes me look good. And hopefully I can help you guys shine in the process. Like I'm managing and you're more, you're, you're more doing this stuff. And then the other part of it is, I think, because you and I are, the reason you and I, I think get along is we understand these intrinsic motivators and um, we want people to succeed. We want them to feel comfortable. We want them to have this like space where th- they can grow and learn professionally and personally. and like. I carry that as well with me. If they don't, I feel like I fail. Mm, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. As a leader, if you don't think about that kind of stuff, it's hard. It's hard. I know, I know. I'm making this. This is simple, not easy. But, oh, and the other thing, I was thinking about this the other day. Why is it so hard to manage, even with all these resources in these books? I don't think these books tell you how hard it is Dude. To, go, to go through these emotions of like, 
feeling like shit after you tell someone that they did a shitty job. You know, I don't think exactly mm-hmm. that. You know, I'm like, oh, my weekend's ruined or I just ruined their life. Like you don't, there's no like regulation mechanism of what happens after the hard conversation. Yeah, uh, you're, you're so right. And I, I think, again, one thing that is, I think also also under understated is just how hard it is. Like people like to talk about, oh, you know, the leaders can help the group and this is the, the great job of a leader and, and you have an opportunity to inspire and grow. And it is hard. Like I said, I, I, I think you said the quote, it's the, it's the hardest job that you'll love. But we got to remember it's hard. And I think, again, especially right now in the, in, the, in the environment we're in, it's really easy to get down on leaders saying, you're not being inclusive enough. You're not communicating enough. You're not da, da, da. But we just went through a recession. We're going through wars in multiple continents. We're going through a, a recession that we're probably in right now already. Like we got a, a lot of stuff on the plate and leaders are the front line in dealing with all of this. And we're saying, you're not good enough do better. Like we need to make sure we're providing grace to those individuals as well, you know? Federal open season is over, but you can apply for WEPA life insurance year round. WEPA has been insuring the future of federal employees for more than 75 years. WEPA can be used as a supplement or replacement for Fagley and can cost less. Last year, members who switched saved $375 on average. Apply for WEPA Group Term Life Insurance and see how much you could save by visiting waepa.org today. Yeah, I mean, when you look at some of those resources, no offense, I read them all and I you have, and they've helped me out tremendously. Um, one thing they don't talk to you about in the you know, hard conversation one-on-one checklist is, you know, emotions are going to play a role in this. And it's like, cause it's like, number one, write down your talking points. Number two, make sure you're in a comfortable setting where like the mood is right, whatever. Number two, if it's a real hard conversation or three, um, have another representative there so they can hear your conversation. It's it, these conversations when we're talking to them about it are very transactional. And I think the ability for us to these do these well and to practice them in the future is having coaches and mentors who say, Hey, look, this is going to hard conversations are going to yeah. suck. And so you need to make sure that you present yourself this way. You give them space. You're able to regulate some of the thoughts. You're not so quick to answer like the emotional intelligence stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, circling back to some of the stuff we're talking about asking lots of millions of lots of millions of dollars, millions of dollars is actually a hard conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For like, hey, give me a bunch of money on the concept we're going to try out that we think will work. And so there is this emotional like pressure because you're like, if I raise this money, my organization is going to do great. I can pay my people. I can start development. Also, I need to convince this guy that this is the best idea. Right? Like, <laughs> it's like no one talks about that part of it. It's more like yeah. strategy around how are the numbers going to look and how's yeah. the deck and and all this stuff, but like, how do you have that connective conversation? That's one of the toughest parts. You, you know, to your point, um, one thing that I, I do myself, and I learned it a while back is, is meditating. I don't think I actually called it meditating back in the day, but it was, you know, just calming yourself, right? Mm. Being more introspective. So now I'm, I've said this be another podcast um, as well. I can, I know when my emotions are about to flare up. Um, I, I feel I can literally feel my heart. Okay, it's beating. Your spidey sense. Yeah, 
it, my heart's being a little faster. I, I can feel my, my hand twitching a little bit. Like I can, I can, I can sense and I can feel those things come up because it's about being introspective. And then you can say, you know what, maybe I need to step away from this conversation or at least acknowledge, Hey, I'm feeling a little anxiety. Let me make sure that when I, when I speak, I'm saying what I want to say, not, not a reaction to some other driver that may be external. Um, and I do want to just really quick, because we have so much time. Um, I think you said you needed to jump on a plane to head over to, um, was it Zumunda? Was it? <laughs> well, uh, I have a layover in Wakanda. Layover in Wakanda. And then over. Zumunda after with <laughs> Prince Akin the Third. Um, it's a uh, <laughs> inside joke, you know, everyone. <laughs> Yeah, and then you know we're gonna <laughs> we're just hanging out <laughs> festival this weekend uh, in honor of uh, Prince jo- or King Josh. <laughs> Real quick, everyone, just so you you're in. Like we were talking about um, Zamunda this this morning. How nice it would be to just have like wait, you know, is this you know just all the resources you could ever want, right? And then we're like, you know, like it's like it's like Wakanda, right? And and Ryan was like, I bet you someone on the internet has uh, compared Zamunda to. Uh, uh, oh my god wakanda well, yeah. and as soon as i started googling it it popped up <laughs> there either, is no wakanda without zamunda <laughs> you know i'm an seo geek either a million people searched that exact same thing re like in since the beginning of time or there's enough articles out there to where it warrants a google search or <laughs> google's listening or google's listening. i i I, yeah. I don't i think the last one um <laughs> i do want to ask you real quickly Dude, what are those pitch sessions? You got how much time do you got? What does it look like when you walk into a room? How much? You, what's, what's the largest number you've ever asked for? Like, what does it feel like to go into that space and try to ask for that much money? Um, you know, after a, a bunch of reps, I've now done this like as an advisor, as an executive, eighty times now. Um, you 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 start to figure out that your process for regulating yourself and all the emotions becomes like just second nature, just like anything. In the beginning, I'll tell you. <laughs> in the beginning, I was just asking for like 20 grand, right? In the mm-hmm. way in the beginning, and you're like, that's so much money. <laughs> I was like, I'm about to ask this person for 20 grand. They might tell me to kick rocks, and then I'm gonna be like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. This is my only lead. Like, um, what's it like? Let's see. You know, um, for angel groups and VCs, it's very um, it's a very regimented process. And like there's a screening, there's typically a call, and then you send them the deck, and then you send them financials, and if they like you, there's another screen typically for and a bunch of people are there kind of like in the little squares looking at your face of, and you presenting and you're being all animated and you're like, you know, this is going to exit at 10 X in five years. And you start seeing people be like, <laughs> I heard of that one before. And so like the, the, the challenge is how do you get them to believe in you as much as you believe in it? And it's like, it's, mm. it's practice, it's repetition. It's like, you really genuinely not only need to know the lines, but actually believe in your ability to execute. And that's hard. It's like, I, it's like, I trust this team with my life. I trust them with my product. I trust them with your, if you can convey that you're ahead. Um, let's see. I've asked for as small as 20. I've asked for as large as seven and an million. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and, and that's mostly uh, earlier this year as, as, as an advisor. And, you know, the feeling of, of someone saying yes is typically the same. It's like, I did it. We did it. We yeah. did it. It's like, we celebrate. We did it. Now, let's make sure we, we're good stewards of this money. We operationalize it. And that, you know, we keep them to me. I'm like, you got to keep these advisors close to you, but not too close to where they're in your day to day. 
to where like they see you're working for that. Um, and so it's, it's exhilarating, man. It is like Shark Tank. It's just kind of like that. So by the way, and I, just logistics for most people, a lot of angel groups or VCs will say, you got 30 minutes in person. You present for 10 minutes. We ask you questions for 15 to 20, and then we'll make a decision in the next couple of days. Like, mind you, when you look at these slides, there's 30 slides and you're supposed to run through them in 10 minutes. And so you sound like the mean machines guy. <laughs> You know, it's like, like, uh, you know, like the um, auctioneers. Mm -hmm. like, I'm Ryan Coco. The reason I'm connected to this is because of this and the valuation of this and then like the market penetration and it's a 5X and here are our advisors. And then like you try to answer all the questions you think they have. Plus show your deck in 10 minutes. It's just you know what? I, I, what? It sounds fun. It sounds, it sounds horrifying. Initially. Horrifyingly <laughs> amazing. You know, if that makes sense. Um, horrifyingly amazing. It's almost like a, it hurts so good. Hurts, um, so, hurts on, so, baby. Like being yeah. at the gym, you know. Um, uh, I wanted to say, like, I, I love the progression of twenty thousand seven million. What that means is like everyone, everyone has to start somewhere. You in in in, in the beginning, it's going to be um, challenging. You're being nervous. Can I really do this? There's all emotions flaring, and that's at twenty grand. But once you've had the reps, now you're asking for seven million. Like, this, this is what I do. Yeah. And so people need to, regardless of what industry you're in, you need to understand that in the beginning, it's going to be hard. But if you progress, if you get better, it'll get easier and you'll have a lot more fun. Yeah. And Alex, the process for 20, the, you know, the formula for doing it, like putting it together is the same as it is for seven. Mm. It's just more money, more people, maybe a couple of extra steps with the due diligence, but Honestly, it's more or less the same process. You, and you just have to find the right investors or less investors, obviously, for the bigger money than there is the smaller ones. But like the prep is the same. The emotions are more or less the same. The pressures are the same. Questions are the same. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting career dynamic process, all that, all the above. Well, look, man, again, I know you said you got to jump off and uh, get a, a flight. To... <laughs> You're coming with, right? I got two tickets because we said we would hang out with semi and <laughs> exactly I, I got my uh um, vibranium actually i gotta make sure i bring my vibranium yeah. shield just in case something yeah can i tell you real quick yeah. i i used the coming to america story when i came to america as a kid people were like mm -hmm. why so i i was born in in, in uh belgium was raised in, in germany uh, and moved to of all places detroit when i was younger so like Leuven to Bonn to Nine Mile, right? Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and be like, why did your parents pick Nine Mile? And I go, oh, you know what? Um, one day I walked into the living room and I see my parents and they're spinning the globe. And they're like, <laughs> Detroit, like coming to America, you know, Queens. Just same story. People do that. No Google back then. No map. And so it's funny that you and I talk about this. <laughs> it's like a story I use when I talk. Like, Everyone who's from Detroit, look, I'm looking out for you. What he means to say is the D, okay? The D. He's from the D. For for the folks that are truly from Detroit, it's Southfield Noak Park. Uh, and people like me like, oh, I know exactly where that is. That's right. <laughs> uh, Vernon, Greenfield, Losser, like Southfield High School. Some people might say this. I don't know. We'll see. Dude, um, yeah, I mean, there. in Detroit, there's 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 Lawson. Um, there's Lawson Street. There, uh, I was going to start naming random stuff. Sorry. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to fit in. Um, look, Ryan, <laughs> thank, thank you so you. much for being here. Do you have any final thoughts um, for our audience as we begin to wrap up, man? Yeah, you know, I was like, I know you asked me this in the beginning, I'm like, so many ways. Um, 
I, I do. It's it's one last thing. It was from a, an old coach mentor, uh, almost nine, 10 years ago. His name was Elad Levin. Um, Elad was a former business exec um, and became a mindfulness out of Patagonia. Recently passed away this year. So I'm actually really glad I get to say this. Um, he would always say, Ryan, remember whatever we're doing. First, we start with the heart and then the work, which is always connect with the people first. Um, always connect with uh, the network first. And then everything else will organically come out of it. If they trust you and they're willing to have these conversations with you, everything else should go. From Elad Levinson, first the heart. <sighs> again, I was like, whoa. There, there, there's there's for, uh, no, again, there's 9 no better on a Friday. way to end this. There's, there's, there's no better way to end this. Um, look, See you Ryan, at, uh, at IHOP. Applebee's. <laughs> Chili's. Um, what's, no, we're fancy now. Foco to chow. Oh, yeah. man. Let's go. Foco to chow. Right exactly. Now. Ruin my diet. Um, look, <laughs> everyone, thank you so much for listening today. I, I Look, I know you have fun. I know I have fun. Ryan have fun. I, I know you have fun listening to this. So, look, you know. Best you know one I've ever been on. <laughs> look, everyone, don't just look back. Reach back. If you found anything of value from today's conversation, don't keep it to yourself and say that person should have been here. They should have listened to it. Don't don't be that person. Help a brother, a sister out. <laughs> Bring this to click share, click, click like. Page you know, me. <laughs> did you say page me? <laughs> I was like, I should have bust out page or page me. We are having way too much fun. Look, everyone. I appreciate you. Thank you for being here for, for so long. And for all you new listeners, please continue to listen. I love, I love, I love engaging with all of you on LinkedIn and social media. If you're interested in having someone come and speak at your next event, I love to be there. AlexTrimble.com is where you can find me. A-L-E-X-T-R-E-M-B-L-E.com. As always, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Executive Appeal with Alex Trumbull. I invite you to follow The Executive Appeal wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me, your host, Alex Trumbull, across all socials or via email for exclusive webinars, courses, and speaking engagements on continued topics of executive leadership. So until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.